1: This is On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co host Jennifer L.W. Fink,
0: mom of four boys. And I'm Janet Allison, teacher of many more. Thanks for joining us as we share real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men. These are unprecedented times that we are living in, and Jen and I both know that it might be challenging, it might be joy-filled, and it is more than likely stressful on some level. It's all of those things, and we hope that this podcast is supporting you and helping you through some of those challenges. I want you to know that I, Janet, am personally here to support you as well. I am a family coach and I work with parents individually. If you feel like the cracks are getting bigger and wider and you're losing your mind and you want more coping skills, you want new strategies, and maybe even you're feeling like it's time to really get to the bottom of his behavior, you can schedule a breakthrough session with me. I am waiving my fee until we are free to roam again, so it's totally free for you. We get on the phone for about forty minutes, and we talk. You can schedule a time with me at boysalive.as.me. That's boysalive.as and sam. Dot, M as and Mary E. That takes you directly to my schedule. Fill that out, and I look forward to getting on the phone with you. I'm here to support you as a family coach. And Jen and I are here to support you with this podcast. We can all do this. And may we all look back on this time and know that we all did powerful work. And now, on boys.
1: Are your boys close to their grandparents? I don't mean geographically close or physically close. I mean emotionally close. It is the 21st century Many of us sadly live farther away from family than we might even like, and uh, thanks to the COVID-19 pandemic, many of us are not even seeing people who we live close to that we love. But what is that relationship like between your boys and their grandparents? I'm very fortunate in that my parents live uh, about a mile down the road from us at least half of the year and my boys have uh, developed a very close relationship with my parents. And now that they're teens, it's interesting to see them kind of take ownership of that relationship and make it a point to go spend time with grandma and grandpa. And that kind of just makes me feel warm and fuzzy. But I know that's not the story for everybody. And yet studies have shown that the grandparent grandchild relationship is very special and very beneficial for both the grandparents and the grandchildren. And let's be honest, it can be really beneficial for the parents in the middle as well. So joining us to explore all of this today is Emily Morgan. Emily Morgan is the host of the Grand Life Podcast. She is a grandmother of nine. Emily, tell us about your grandchildren.
2: Oh my goodness, they range in age. By the way, thank you so much. I appreciate being on the podcast with you. They range in age from nine years old down to six months old. So we have four boy grandchildren and five girl
1: grandchildren. Nice. That's almost split evenly.
2: I know, it's kind of fun when they all get together.
1: I bet it is. And do most of them live nearby or at a distance? What's your personal situation? So we have five who live,
2: two who live one mile down from us and three girls who live one mile down the other way. We have a little triangle going of them and then we have four grandchildren who live uh, outside of washington dc
1: and you are in indianapolis so that right. is a bit of a distance for you. yeah it's
2: about 10 hours yeah if we really book it
1: so the grandparent grandchild relationship is such a special one for so many reasons it's such an opportunity for young people to get to learn from people that like lived history that have accumulated life wisdom and life experience it's an opportunity for grandparents to, you know, have a contact in the younger generation who, you know, can tell you what TikTok is and what Snapchat and what am I doing on these phones all the time. But bridging that gap can be a bit challenging sometime. And then in the middle, you have parents who sometimes don't know, like, is this facilitating the relationship or am I making things worse? Yeah. I'd love to hear your thoughts on <laughs> as a grandparent and you know you've been a parent obviously as well how can parents facilitate those relationships without getting in the way
2: I just want to put a little disclaimer in here because uh, the grandchildren all come from daughters so I have no I have no grandchildren from a daughter-in-law I have one son who's only been married for three years and so I'm going to just say that because I think that um, the relationship that I have with my grandchildren is mostly facilitated by my daughters. If Mm -hmm. I had to, and I'm not really positive what will happen when I'm depending on my son for that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that's a little different And that you probably talk about that on your podcast about boys. Um, I have a close relationship with my son, but I don't know how it's going to work. I'm I'm really going to be curious. And I want very badly for it to work well. Um, But anyway, so I have this relationship with my daughters and I do think, because they understand, um, they understand me and they feel comfortable with me as their mother, they often are willing to drop them off, leave the, kid, you know, leave the kids with me, go off for a weekend. They, we talk on FaceTime all the time. So, I mean, a, a daughter who's willing and wants to talk to me anyway will often call. <laughs> I, I probably talk to our daughters every day, that, you know, oh, wow. one way or the other. We text or we talk every day, which I think is very unusual if you have boys. you know I don't Uh, do that with my son
1: (laughs) Um, Emily I have a my second son turned 20 yesterday Janet and he's currently living with me because you know he's a college kid and well you know college in the age of COVID so he's currently Mm -hmm. living here we are literally living in the same house and just this morning I sent him a text message and I said so are you fishing for the day or the week like (laughs) I I, honestly We briefly talked about this yesterday, if he was gonna go somewhere for a while, I don't know if he's coming home tonight. Like this is the level of communication. And yeah, yeah. I
2: think it's true. I mean, even the best of relationships with boys, they tend to just not feel it necessary to check in all the time. So, you know, I do hear from our son probably once a week. And I often have to prompt that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he'll write back, you know, he'll text me back. But um, it's not, I, I don't feel unloved by him, but I just think that's just how he works. Is not, it's different, not necessary for him.
1: Mm-hmm. And for the
2: girls, it's, you know, I got a vent. I need to talk to you. How am I going to do this? Lots of questions. I often feel really sad for young women who are mothers who don't have their mothers to talk with. Um, I have several girls that I know, young women who have that situation, and it's just sad. I think then they they often go to their grandmothers or an aunt mm. or somebody, you know, because they they need that. That's just part of the thing. So so I'm grateful that they are they do facilitate that for me so that I can have a close relationship with the kids. Um, I send them gifts sometimes, but, you know, I'm not made of money, so I can't send right. tons of... I can't use that all the time. But notes, um, gifts. We bring. I often bring gifts with me when I come. Just little things. Uh, so yeah, that keeps the relationship going.
1: So you raised three daughters and a son. Is that correct? Correct. Uh huh. Okay. So you have much more girl experience than boy experience. Yes. Tell us about that now, as you are um, having to relate to four grandsons. That's sort of a different <laughs> experience for you.
2: It is and I find it difficult. In fact, um, you know, if anything, my poor son's gonna be on the couch talking about how we girlified him by making him dress up in costumes. <laughs> you know, in fact, it was funny because when he uh got off to college, he immediately took summer jobs out on ranches in, in Colorado so he could kind of like pump up his feeling of being, you know, the Western man kind of cowboy mm-hmm. thing. And, and it did affect him. It changed him. And I'm, I'm grateful for that in some ways, but in other ways, I'm like, Oh, I miss my, my little boy who used to dress up in costumes with my girls. Um, so anyway, the boys, yes. Now we have these grand grandsons and uh, I do have a harder time. I, I do have to really struggle with um, how to relate to them because they're not as talkative um they like their devices uh they are very active and punching and wrestling and you know and they if if there is anything they really love to do it's play games and i hate to play games like that's Uh-oh. really <laughs> It's like I see a card game coming out or any other kind of game coming out. And I'm like, Oh, no, I'm stuck here for two hours. (laughs) So I don't know, I, I am trying to recognize that that's part of the that's just part of it. I'm gonna have to learn how to deal with that.
0: Yeah. Janet, I would love to hear your thoughts here, right? So I'm having lots of thoughts because (laughs) I, of course, I'm on the precipice of becoming a grandparent at some point. I have been the auntie for many little children, and that's Mm -hmm. been wonderful. I'm thinking about my daughter's relationship with my mom, so their grandma, and how really close that was, even though we lived far away. So we, Mm -hmm. they really had, but in that was finding commonalities. So they loved to sew and quilt and cook. And so that, that, so it's finding that one thing that you connect with with your grandsons you know it might be card games emily you know (laughs) although they do
2: seem to like cooking pasta we make pasta and hang it out on a drying house they think that's fun
0: yeah so finding that one thing and i also actually called my sister this morning before we recorded because she is uh living in a three generation household and her her, so her daughter and her granddaughter live with her and her husband. And uh, so I wanted to check in, like, how is that grandparent relationship? And the the granddaughter is 11 and has been with them since the mom was pregnant. So a long time. Oh, wow. And, and really the first thing that she said was that it was unexpected. She did not expect to be an empty nester raising her granddaughter, you know, in concert with her daughter um, and really having to grieve that life that she thought she was going to have with just Mm -hmm. her and her husband and they were going to go on holidays and, you know, it would just be the two of them. And uh, it's for 11 years, it hasn't and into the future, it won't be. So having that uh, different course to your life. and recognizing that. And also, you know, just this notion, and we touched on it a little bit of kids and their devices, parenting, grandparenting now is so different from when, when grandparents were parenting. So mm-hmm. dealing with devices, dealing with 24 seven news cycle, all of these things are really challenging when you didn't, have to deal with that in your parenting
2: absolutely in fact, um, part of I think that the theme that runs through the grand Life podcast is that the expectations for grandparents are way different than they were for our parents. Um, the expectation is that you will you'll be there a lot you'll even if you have to travel you'll travel it used to be you know back back in the day um, that the kids would be expected to come back to to their homes Mm -hmm. and the parents the grandparents would just kind of hang out and wait for the grandkids to get there Mm -hmm. uh that's that just isn't the expectation anymore
0: well i hear a lot of grandparents moving actually picking up stakes out of their own community moving to be closer to their grandchildren which is a huge life disruptor even though of course you want to be close to your grandkids many people do um, but you've given up your community that you've lived in for many, many years.
2: Yeah, it comes with risk. Mm-hmm. I mean, what if they then move again? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then you're alone in a community. And the only we- reason you had that community was because you developed it so you could be with your grandkids. Yeah. So I, th- I think that I'm not sure. I, I, I'm i not sure that I would make that move, but I might. I, I don't really, I can't I tell you see- until it happens.
1: I'd like to hear you say a little bit more about how those expectations of grandparents seem to have evolved because, you know, in our head, every one of us has an image of grandparent. Right. And so often it doesn't necessarily reflect reality. Like the image might still be a kindly gray haired woman in a rocking chair. while well, according to stats, like half of grandparents are still working. So right. Yeah, like you can't be expecting your grandparent to be providing full-time child care. They've got their own life. So talk about these changing expectations so that the parents who are listening can kind of understand, you know, where grandparents are coming from too.
2: Yeah, I think it's, it's totally right. I, I think the evolving grandparent, you know, used to be either a little bit, um, couldn't do very much. We think of them as being kind of like, you're right, sitting in a rocking chair. And now we've got them running marathons and Great. doing all sorts of creative things and having careers as we do. And, you know, it does take a, such a huge sacrifice because we we have our lives. We have our own lives. I, I think that was, that is the kind of big thing that seems to have changed, that grandparents in the past, I don't want to say that they didn't have their own lives, but they had hobbies and things, but they didn't have um full-blown careers, most of them. I'm sure there are many listeners who had grandparents who had careers, but and and actually retirement was what, 60, 62? People aren't even retiring until 70 anymore. Right. So um yeah, that that completely changes the the game. But it also means that we have a little more disposable income perhaps, which means that we can maybe we have earned through our careers a little vacation time so we can go off and do something for ourselves, but also have time to go see the grandkids. But, you know, I, it it's a struggle. I think we try to see our grandkids six, every six to eight weeks from in, in, in DC. And that is, that is becoming oh, hard. harder and harder. It's becoming harder and harder. But the thing is, I feel like you get this sense that time is just rushing by and pretty soon the kids, the grandkids will have jobs. And I mean, I, you remember that a, probably yourselves your your kids end up having all these jobs they can't go and visit their grandparents they they can't be around when the grandparents come and all of a sudden things start to feel like they're unraveling and I think sometimes when you have younger grandkids you feel like I got to get this stuff in because Mm -hmm. pretty soon I'm going to be older they're going to be older Mm -hmm. and you know I want to I want to develop this foundation and so that's you know part of the grand life is the idea that you know let's invest, let's invest this time when they're younger, because when they're older, they're so busy and they're doing so much um, that you got to kind of develop some kind of foundation to move forward with and then find commonalities, um, like you said, to kind of keep that going over the long term.
1: So spending time together is obviously crucial, right? I mean, FaceTime is great, but spending time together is really where those relationships blossom And this is where sometimes um, there can be conflict between parents, grandparents, and then children as well. Mm -hmm. So things like screen time, things like, you know, food, sugar, uh, desserts, (laughs) um, bedtimes, boundaries, rules. What advice do you have for parents about, you know, yes, you are the parent and these are your children, but how do you handle some of those issues knowing that you know the grandparents they they are clearly in most cases competent adults who have already raised children i know it's so interesting um
2: you know i think that's just something you have to work out with your your adult children. Um, and I think it's so interesting because it is intense when they first have children, when, when they're, they're firstborn. And you remember this probably with your own firstborns, you get, you know, you're so hyper, Oh no, I have to do it this way. Everything has to, and by the time you have a third child, you're like throwing Cheerios at them and saying, fine, if, you know, first, firstborn, you're saying, Oh no, no, no. They're not going to have any gluten. They're not going to have any dairy. And then by the time <laughs> they're <laughs> not going to play with toy guns, <laughs> they're, they're not, not oh, going to jump totally. on the couch. They're not going to spend time watching television, you know, so uh, we've seen it happen. So, you know, they come in the door with their kids and they have all these rules and regulations for the firstborn and you, you just nod and you say, yes, of course. And you do (laughs) (laughs) Do what they say. I mean, my advice to every grandparent is just do what they say because it's not going to last. It's just going to be for the firstborn, just like Mm. it was for you. So try to think back on that and just be, you know, just nod and recognize in your wisdom that this is not forever and then (laughs) do whatever they say. I have, I actually have grandparent friends who will say, oh, yeah, she told me not to give him any gluten and I gave him a piece of bread because he really wanted it, or I gave him, I don't know. And I, I, I usually cringe because I think, oh, if they ever find out, I, I don't want to do that because you can really disenfranchise your, your because children. Because then
1: it's a trust thing. Yeah, right. absolutely. Like it, it really, in some cases, it is absolutely about the food, right? Like if right. I tell you that um, John has a peanut allergy and you're like, eh, you know, and you give him something, like that, <laughs> that can be a danger. That can be really but, bad. But in a lot of cases, it's likely not that severe or life-threatening. Right. And so it's a trust thing. And if Absolutely. you lose that trust with your children, no matter how old your children are, that yeah. is damaging. It's a, it's to the damaging.
2: Relationship. And and that's really what you want to do. So when you're grand when you have new grandchildren, you just play the game and you do exactly what they say. And if they tell you not don't let them come down when they're awake at, you know, 10 30 at night and sit on the couch with you. You put them back up to the bed, and you do whatever they tell you. Because if you if they come in the door and you're sitting there with your three year old grandchild, they're they're like, Gee, we told you to put yeah. them back up there. Mm-hmm. And um, so we we I mean even if you have to write it down, if you can't remember, you just <laughs> need to. And and if you do mess up, um, you apologize. You know the relationship has got to be a give and take. You've got to be very just willing to submit to what they want. And then I can tell you that it does get better. And as they get older, as your children, as your adult children get older and they have more children, they tend to really loosen up a lot and you can laugh about it.
1: I like cute clothes. I like having stylish outfits and I hate shopping. Armoire makes getting dressed easier. Armoire is a clothing rental membership option. And Janet and I recently have both tried it out and you guys, it is so much fun. You go to their website, you get to take a little quick style quiz, takes five minutes, and then you get presented a list of beautiful clothing, pictures, wonderful clothes that you can pick out and get delivered to your house for you to try and wear in the comfort of your own home without going out and determine what looks cute Put together outfits without investing a ton of money. Right now, our listeners can give Armoir a try and get up to 50% off your first month. That is up to $125 off. Just visit A-R-M-O-I-R-E, dot style slash envoys. That's armoir.style, A R M O I R E, dot style/slash on boys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. One of the most challenging things about being a woman at midlife is realizing how little people understand about perimenopause and menopause, Janet. Winona is a collection of OBGYN health professionals who believe that your symptoms are important, real, and deserve to be taken seriously. It's telehealth, you can access care from your home when it is
0: convenient for you. Visit bywinona.com today to start your free visit. Yeah. <laughs> That's such good advice, Emily. That is such good advice. <laughs> yeah, well just to submit to those young parents and su- submit to them and support them in yeah, their decisions exactly. that
2: they're making. Been there, done that.
0: And, I and love that as you're saying this,
1: you know, in your own head, you've raised these children of yours for you know three <laughs> decades already, and you're like yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is another one of your phases. I get it. We're <laughs> exactly. gonna get through this one. Like you have <laughs> already survived. You know, their young years, their tween years, their teenage years. You're like, okay, yeah. but just hang just on another for stage. a little bit more. Just another stage. And I have to say that the stakes get
2: ho- the stakes get higher as as your grandkids grow and you see things that you maybe don't agree with in their parenting styles, your adult children's parenting styles, the stakes are higher because you're talking about kids who, you know, might have some real issues as they get older. And you see things that your children don't see because you've been through it already and you've had friends who've been through it. You've seen what happens with kids who are teenagers who have had certain kinds of parenting things. And you know, I I really just had a conversation with my daughter about this. And it it was a hard one. And I basically texted her and said, listen, I would be glad to write down and tell you what I think, but I think I would be afraid that that could really go badly. So what I'm going to tell you is we differ in our parenting styles. I would not parent that way. And what I described to her was it's kind of like, Google Maps, where on your driving directions, it tells you you can go one way or you can go another way. And, you know, there might be a 10-minute difference. There's no right or wrong. There's not like, oh, well, that's the wrong way to go. You're going to get there. But you might get there with different scenery. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Your mm -hmm. life might look different because you chose that parenting, that option. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and I said, you listen, I'm here to support you. Stick to your guns if that's what you want to do and and you think the results are going to be good. I'm on your side. I want the results to be good. I want these grandchildren to grow up happy and healthy, and so I'm on your side. I'm not going to look back and say, "Oh, I told you so. You know, my parenting style was better." We, you know, we we definitely need to kind of have that again, that give and take of communication. So,
1: how can well, we as parents tap into a bit of that? You know, most of our listeners are currently raising children. Yeah. We see our children through our eyes. grandparents do have the benefit of not living with the grandchildren all the time and the benefit of all this lived experience our grandparents may have some very valuable information that could be helpful to us so what advice would you give to current parents for you know being open to some feedback
2: i would say if you value what your family life looked like as a child so you're looking at how your parents parented if you value that and respect it and if they had good outcomes you might consider what they have to say or ask them because i think the best grandparents are not going to tell you unless you ask the mm-hmm. worst grandparents tell you all the time but <laughs> that's not what you <laughs> what you should be doing as a grandparent offering your advice freely and without without being asked but if if a adult parent wants to tap in to the wisdom i think that they should i think that i think we have kind of in fact the next podcast that's coming up is about this that there is so much value in the wisdom of older people and i think somehow our culture just doesn't doesn't really want to tap into that they keep thinking there's something better i think maybe like they often i think often um people who are raising kids now talk to other people who are raising kids. But you guys are all in that like you don't you don't know what you don't know, right? do the what blind you don't know.
1: bleeding the blind, isn't it?
2: it? It kind of is. And and I think it's valuable, but I also think there are some really interesting things that can be garnered from listening to older people. And I think of course you have to take it with a grain of salt. Uh I think my my children are always like you have your memory It's so idealistic. Like you think you never remember the bad things. (laughs) I was like, yeah, but I think the one, the few bad things that I do remember, the one colicky baby or the one whatever, those
0: are because they were they were real standout things. So we're talking about all the things that are wonderful and that you have a good relationship with your uh, adult children. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we we have to talk about also the spouse of the adult child, because that brings a whole nother dynamic into the relationship. And so, you know, ideally, we would hope that everyone has a great relationship with the grandparents and, Mm -hmm. and the grandparents with the adult children. But talk about the experience of, you know, maybe some of those doors are closed, or maybe there's some, you know, contentious relationships in there talk about what your listeners experience and how they work with maybe when the door isn't quite open to see the grandchildren.
2: Yeah. It's, it's very, very difficult. And and I'm planning an episode about that because I think it is hard to get people to talk about the hard things. Those Mm -hmm. are the, those are the things people kind of want to to keep behind closed doors, but we know it exists and we know that there are um, many, many grandparents who are, disengaged, unable to be with their grandkids because one of the, ki- one of the spouses, pr- probably the in-law, but sometimes not always, they've cut off relationships and they've decided that they don't wanna have a relationship with the grandparent. And that is one of the most painful things I can think of. You, you have this granddaughter or grandson and you have no access. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that what is required is first, look at yourself first and make sure there isn't anything you're doing or not doing. That is causing the lack of access. When an adult child says no, you can't see them, there might be reasons. I, I mean, there could be good reasons. Maybe you are difficult. Maybe you are giving too much advice. Maybe you aren't uh, building trust. And then once you've looked at that, and there doesn't seem to be any fault or blame on your side, which would be highly unlikely, but it's possible. Um, then you, I think, you just have to deal with it. it is what it is. And I've talked, to, uh, I've talked to parents who grandparents who have said they had to wait until their grandchild became independent after they were 16 or 18. And then don't give up because you can still have a relationship with a grandchild when they're 18. And you can build that from scratch, you know, and, and you can explain, you know, that that wasn't your choice. But now this child, this grandchild has a choice and they can, you know, you can renew that relationship. And so I wouldn't give up. I would never give up. And you can always, I mean, unless somebody's really doing something like intervening and taking mail away from the kid, um, you can still send letters. You can mm-hmm. still send notes and gifts. And um, a friend of mine has a um, has a blog called the Long Distance Grandparenting. Uh, her name is Carrie Byrne. And she talks about things like putting... Uh, putting a sticker on the back of an envelope that's always the same so, it, so that a child sees it and recognizes that's their grandmother. They, you know, that mm-hmm. That's always a pink heart. That means it's my grandmother. You know, so even before they're even reading, they can know that that's their grandmother and they always get it. The other thing you can do that she talks about is journal. So you can have all of these little journals for each grandchild and write about what you're doing, what you're thinking about with them and how you wish you had mm-hmm. been to the park with them and then give it to them when they're 18. Uh.
0: You know? Mm
2: -hmm. they, then they know that you have been thinking about them that whole time.
0: Wow. That's powerful.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's a good thing. I think, I think it takes some intentionality that some grandparents don't want to put forth that effort, but it's totally worth it. And I do not have a grandchild who's 18 yet, but I look forward to that because I think we could have a great relationship. You know, I I'm looking forward to the talking and finding out about their college and doing all that stuff. That'll be fun. Mm -hmm.
1: My um, oldest son is now 22. He lives in Tennessee. I'm in Wisconsin. My parents winter here, or excuse me, not winter. They summer in Wisconsin. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) um, He came, he made it a point to come up a weekend this summer. Yeah, he wanted to see me, but um, me and his brothers had been camping near him not that long ago. He really came up because he wanted to see grandma and grandpa. Um, They winter in Arizona. So, you know, many months go by without seeing them. You know, COVID restrictions. They're now, um, as of today, my dad is 84. My mom's 83. Like, you don't know how much time you have left. And it means so much to me, you know, Janet and Emily, that my 22-year-old young adult son prioritizes spending time with his grandma and grandpa. Like, that almost tears me up, you guys.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I don't underestimate as a grandparent, don't under underestimate the relationship you can have with the grandchild yeah. and how meaningful it is to both parties. Yeah. So yeah. And for
1: parents, I want to say that um so much of this can be facilitated in the tiniest little ways and I have to actually give a lot of credit to my ex-husband who in many ways did more to facilitate the boy's relationship with my parents than I did. Um, my parents live not far from us, but they they live in the country. They had, you know, more land than we do here in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, he planted a garden out there with the kids when the boys were younger. So with the garden, you have to go out pretty frequently to, you know, pull the weeds and, and harvest the plants. You wouldn't necessarily be out there for a long time, but they would go out there, and my mom employing the tricks grandmas have done throughout the ages, she always had like cookies or (laughs) ice cream treats or something. So even if they were only there, you know, 15 minutes, it was a positive interaction. And over time that builds up. It
2: really does. It really does. And I have to say, you know, my, my parents did not have that kind of relationship with my, my children and my children grew up seeing friends of theirs that had that kind of relationship with their grandparents and wanted it so badly. They didn't have a bad relationship with my parents. It was just a kind of a distant relationship and, you know, distance in, in, in proximity and also in terms of involvement. And so they would, I remember they said, one of them said they were at college and they heard, uh, overheard a telephone, telephone conversation with one of the, college girls who was talking to her grandma telling her everything and they were laughing and my daughter said I just don't even understand that that's so cool Can you imagine wow. that's
1: how I feel and Janet I want to hear your story after this like my parents married late so mm-hmm. I actually only knew um the only ones I knew were my dad's dad and my mom's mom and they had mm-hmm. both been they both got remarried after original spouses died. But all of my grandparents were dead by the time I was 10. One died when I was five, mm-hmm. the other died when I was 10, and he'd been so hard of hearing for so long. Yeah. That, you know, it's, it's hard to have a relationship when you can't talk. And mm-hmm. so I like, I feel like I don't even really get what this relationship is supposed to be
0: about. Mm-hmm. Janet, what's, what was your grandparent's story? Oh my gosh. I was really close to my um, mom's parents. and we would travel, you know, I have the, the Norman Rockwell memories of traveling to Denver for Christmas with my grandparents. And, uh, we also had, um, a farm in the family in Kansas. And we would gather at the farm and play cards, Emily. It was really fun. <laughs> I need and- to do it. <laughs> Suck it up, Emily. I know. Such good memories with that. And just being really close to my grandma. My grandma was a quilt maker and I learned to quilt from her. And um, that those memories are so precious. And I think that that really having that connection then was the the impetus for me as when my kids were little is I want that connection for them with my parents. Ah. And it's interesting because my in-laws you know, we would go and visit them, but there was not this, it wasn't the same relationship that they right. had with my husband's parents. And, yeah. and, um, and what did I, you know, I can look back and go, oh, I probably didn't facilitate that as much as I could, but then they, they had health issues when mm-hmm. my, when they were little, when my kids were little. So we didn't, they didn't have that connection, yeah. but um my mom used to travel to Oregon every summer. We would go on a girl's road trip every mm-hmm. summer. So many good memories. And I really see then as my children became adults, they had that connection with my parents. And as you were saying, you know, as adults, they would take a weekend and fly to Houston to see my parents, nice. just them. And I mean that makes me want to cry. It was yeah. just so precious Aww. and then of course you hope that that happens for you as the grandparent and exactly. that, that that then that relationship continues and they see I know for my oldest she was connected to my mom like from day one and yeah. Yeah. I know she knows how important grandparents can be so I get to be that
1: grandma I hope That's so exciting. One of these days, I have- a question about yeah. t- facilitating the grandparent relationship. So one thing that I and my siblings have noticed and I'm one of six siblings, my mom is now 83 and she has had more than her fair share of health problems. She's had, mm-hmm. you know, cancer three times and she survived cancer, but you know, that leaves you with all kinds of side effects that affect your everything, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. one thing that we have all noticed about my mom is she is very excited about the idea of the grandchildren coming over. (laughs) But the reality is that little kids, especially, you know, they are loud, they are noisy, they are whatever. And so like there's what she thinks it will be in her head. And then there's the reality. And then she just kind of, you know, withdraws and because it's more than she can, I think physically and emotionally handle. And mm-hmm. so one thing we've discussed among ourselves is like, what's your advice for how to handle that situation? You know, you want to, you want to bring the kids over, but you don't want it to be a bad experience for the kids. Like, well, grandma's not actually spending time with me.
0: Yeah.
1: And grandma's you... kind
0: of crabby.
2: <laughs> Thank you for yeah. saying it. Yeah. it,
1: Thank you. Cause it goes there, you know, oh, yeah. and, and grandma yeah. ends up snapping. And... What's your advice, Emily? Gosh, you know, I I think
2: that one of the wonderful things about grandparents is that they introduce children to limitations. And Mm -hmm. I, I do think it's really important whether a whether you have somebody who's differently abled or you have somebody who's old and can't handle things very well. And as you're right, as people get older, those expectations, they the fact that she responds positively to positively to the idea is, is showing you that she really does still love these children and mm-hmm. love wanting, being with them. I guess my biggest piece of advice would be make it really short. Like It might only be 15 minutes. And for you, you're fortunate if the grandparents live close because then you're like, oh, take a little yeah. 15 minute, whatever, and come back. Um, if they live far, it's hard. Um, mm-hmm. I know for myself that my husband and I have as empty nesters recognized that um, there are times when it's just too long. We've been with them too long. And I would have to say that's a good three or four days. That's about it. That's mm-hmm. about all one can handle. If you're used to being an empty nester and everything's quiet and you're doing your own thing all the time. So we try to keep it at four de- four
0: days, maximum three nights. And part of that is calibrating your own kids. So if yes. you have a rambunctious toddlers, you have active boys, maybe you're going to stop at the park before you go see grandma Mm -hmm. and have, you know, have some runaround time so that they can be a little bit more able to, you know, sit in the room. And I, as you were talking, Emily, I, I was thinking about the, you know, the natural progression of aging is it is important for our kids to be for, for grandkids to be aware of that and yeah. having to, you know, look at, at grandpa with Parkinson's and now he yep. got a walker and now he's got a wheelchair and now we're sitting beside the, their grandfather's deathbed. And to have that connection to the the normal natural passages of life grandparents are the place that you can have that intimate experience and it's so it's so necessary i feel and my children were at their grandparents deathbed and um i feel like it's necessary for a, tr- a truer understanding of life and Absolutely. and the value of life mm-hmm.
2: yeah Yep. One of the things that I, I was thinking about as you were saying that is how important it is for grandparents, you know, to recognize that they are failing in their um, health and they're getting older, to start giving things to their grandchildren that they want them to have. And I think that's just—it's really easy for uh, for grand, some grandparents to to not be willing to face the fact that. Pretty soon, they're not going to be around, but it's so much more meaningful. If you can, I mean, give Mm. something that is meaningful to you, to your grandchildren. Do that all the time. I don't even think you have to wait until your 80s, in your 80s or 90s. You just should do it whenever you find something that you think, oh, I'm not going to use this anymore, but I'd really like my grandchild to have it. Um, That means so much. That can mean so much, that connection, and they can keep it. You know, one of the other things that I kind of wanted to to mention when we were talking about in-laws is how important it is that you support, as a grandparent, you support the other grandparents in terms of their relationship with their ch- grandchildren. You are sharing grandchildren with this other couple or other person, and it's only to their your grandchild's benefit for them to have a fantastic relationship with both sets of grandparents. So drop the jealousy, Drop the whole, like, oh, did you spend more time over there? Were you with them then? Did you, you know, do things together if you need to. Like, to me, it's like we should do birthday parties together. But we need to recognize that we're a united front with our grandchildren and that they can enjoy going out on a boat or the swimming pool that the other grandparents have. You be you. You develop your relationship with your grandchild with what you are. And then let the others do what they do and be supportive. Because like I said, it, no one loses when grandchildren have good relationships with both grandparents on either side.
1: Yeah. yeah. The more good people point. who care about your kids, the better. Absolutely. Period. Absolutely. Because this is on boys, I feel like we have to go here. Um, <laughs> societal norms for boys, for men have been shifting over the last 20, 30, 50 years. Mm-hmm. Um, increasingly, it's not universal, but increasingly among parents, there's recognition that, you know, maybe saying, hey, man up, or, you know, put some dirt on it is maybe not the right thing to say to a little boy who's crying. Yep. There's generational differences between parents and grandparents, because there is a generation in between there. So (laughs) um, what's the grandparent perspective? Do you hear from your grandparent friends kind of like some confusion or questions about, you know, boys today?
2: What's that on the ground? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're talking, uh, grandparents can say things that are racist. Grandparents can say things that are um, prejudiced of uh, all sorts. They could say things like you were just saying um, that are very misogynistic. And I think uh, I, I I mean, I even experienced that with my kids' grandparents with um, one side who, where I was like, whoa, that was... So we would always have to have a conversation afterwards with our children about, well, that's probably not the right thing to say, saying that we have it all together now. But I do think that generations are coming closer to understanding each other. There's been a lot of talk about empathy and trying to make sure that you understand putting yourself in the shoes of your adult children and how they might look at something, even if you're particularly conservative about something and they're more liberal about something. That is a really hard conundrum because sometimes I think you got to let your grandparents, the grandparents be who they are. They are who they are. And you, they're in a stage, you know, you're like, well, that's, that's them. That's who they are. And then you recognize with your children, that's just who they are. And they're not going to change. I don't think it hurts to for the adult children to say, "Hey, Dad, when you're here, we would prefer that you not, you know, tell them to buck up or be, you know, do this to especially boys. Yeah, don't don't tell them that. Or they can be and you know they don't have to if they want to be a a chef or they want to be a seamstress or you know whatever um, they can be that."
0: Well, the stretch goes both ways. And I think I'm Absolutely. back to the conversation about, I mean, my mom, occasionally some like things would slip out of her lips that I'd be like, mom, are you kidding me? And <laughs> and it's the conversation that I had with her, but it's also that the kids also recognized and just gave her grace on right. it. Right, and, and that's you know, a lesson that's learned. Hard yeah that's part of who she is that's her generation and it's an you know just makes it a heightened awareness for us of what what we're believing and what our kids are believing so
2: yeah i think graciousness on both sides and assuming the best of both the grandparents and the grandchildren and the adult children is a Always yeah. a good policy.
0: Yeah, Jen and I are all about giving grace on this on, on on boys, aren't we, Jen? I'm so much better at saying it than
1: remembering it in my life, you guys. <laughs> the last couple of days have been rough. Aww. I'm going to try to remember this moving forward. And you know, this is where uh, grandparent relationships are so valuable. Our our families are where we practice these skills. Our families are where we learn how to forgive, how to, uh, you know, deal with, okay, I don't love everything about this person, but I still love this person and make room for them in their life. And so in facilitating these relationships, we are jointly as parents, as grandparents, preparing our children for the larger world.
2: Absolutely. And one of my themes is that if, you know, you can go run out and um, picket for peace or Black Lives Matter or any of the things that you believe. But if you can't practice love and kindness in your own home, go back to your house and figure out how to do that with the people you live with. (laughs) Because that's where it starts. And I absolutely agree with you on that, Jennifer.
1: Emily, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, Her podcast is The Grand Life. We'll put a link in our show notes and uh, share it with your parents. Uh, This is fantastic. Let's keep these conversations going. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining On Boys, real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men.
0: What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day?